definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. Andrew Carlson is behind the glass. It's a Wednesday edition of the Killer Bees. Titus Howard's hurt. We'll get to all of that. Was going to be our lead story today, Titus Howard being hurt. But instead, Joe George has stolen the headline. Uh, Joe George decided, uh, I don't know, I was doing my meditating that I often do before Mm, the show, where I zen out, meditate, get myself prepared to do radio. And Joe was here whenever I left to do that. I come back. Joe's nowhere to be found. You'd give me the heads up about three minutes out that uh, Joe went downstairs to, what do they call that place, TomTom? Yep. Which TomTom I thought was a place in L.A. But anyways, he's going downstairs to TomTom. He's getting himself some coffee. Uh, AC's producing our show because Joe George is still not here. I hope you're getting overtime for this, AC. He just texted at 3.01. What time does our show start? Three o'clock. Three o'clock. Blankers, three o'clock. Can you confirm that? Journalists confirm. need two sources, confirm. blah, 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 blah. He texted me at 3.01. 3.01. Grab coffee. Now, here's the plot twist here, Blankers. You're going to like this. Mm-hmm. Grab coffee for Joel and I. Apparently, 15 minutes you? isn't enough time. I'll be right. Th- I didn't hear you say he's grabbing coffee for me. No, I said walking in. I said he's going to blame me because he's getting. he asked me if I wanted one, too. And what I have witnesses. Unbelievable. The minute he left, I said, you don't have time to go downstairs and get coffee. He goes, yeah, I do. It's 48. I'm good. We we live in the city of Houston. Top 10 market, right? I don't really pay attention to hold that. Yes. I think we're a top 10 market in the entire United States. And we have a producer who's showing up two minutes late because he's getting coffee for one half of the talent. That's the other part. Do I have a coffee? Do you owe me a coffee? You do. You do owe me a coffee. Yet I don't get a coffee. Unbelievable. You're late. You owe me a coffee. You don't even ask if I want a coffee. You text me you're going to be late at 3.01 when our show starts at 3 o'clock. You're like the club. Then he throws me under the bus and it's my fault when he made the objective decision to go downstairs when I told him not to. And he owed me a coffee, too. This is triggering me. It really is. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. I'm a diva radio host. You know that I'm a creator. I'm an influencer. I'm a sports entertainer. And the talent can't even get a coffee? Are you media? No, not, don't insult me, Blakers. Don't do I'm not insult me I by calling me media. I just want to see how far you go with that. I, I, I do not partake in the media of the media. This is unbelievable. I mean, here we are supposed to be talking about how the Texans are cursed. They have their offensive lines cursed. I don't know if it's a Matt Khalil curse. I don't know who played center last year for a few games and then went on a personal hiatus. And we never found out why he oh, was gone. Yeah, that's what was right. that center's name? He was from J- Britt. Justin Britt. Justin Britt. Maybe it's yep. the curse of Justin Britt. I have no idea what this offensive line curse is. We have all of this hot stuff about the Texans. Will Titus Howard be here in two years? Some people were uh, on Twitter today. You'll never catch this. Some people were on Twitter today saying that Titus got hurt because he was playing left guard and not right tackle. I saw that. What? I saw that. But I saw it more. <laughs> in- I was more entertained by the fact that you had a tattletale that you yeah. called out for being a tattletale. And Titus well, Howard what? liked that. Yeah, I, I was being critical of Titus Howard today because Titus Howard is not a good left guard. Um, no, I, I give like here's here. I'll give Titus Howard credit. I don't like how we're distracting off of Joe George here a little bit. Oh, we can I'll, get back. To that. We, we will, we'll circle back to Joe George, who fittingly is wearing a Cubs hat today. Um, one thing I'm gonna <laughs> Just here's calling him out all over. I'm gonna give Titus Howard a compliment before we talk about Titus Howard. Titus Howard playing left guard for the Houston Texans when it's not. It's nowhere near his best position. I think his best position is left tackle, but his second best position is right tackle. He's a better tackle than he is a, a guard. I will give Titus Howard 
I will tip my cap. I would shake his hand and say, thank you for doing what was in the best interest of what other people thought of the team. I'm not so sure it was in the best interest of the team, but D'Amico thought so. The coaching staff thought so. And Titus Howard didn't say a word. He didn't throw a fit. He was a great teammate. He didn't say a single bad thing about being played out of position when he could have. Like, it's very easy. You're getting crushed every single week. We're posting videos of you getting beat. You're getting bull rushed. You're getting, like, this like you're just giving up free rushers to the quarterback. You're awful at left guard. It's very easy for Titus Howard to like all of a sudden scoff like scoff to the media and be like, "Well, I'm playing out of position." He didn't do any of that. I think Titus Howard's a good teammate. I commend Titus Howard for being selfless in this whole process. Titus Howard's not a good left guard. Uh, the news came out today that he has some sort of knee issue that's going to force him to miss the entire season. They've already placed him on IR, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what do you make of uh, of all the news and Joe George late to it's his own disappointing. radio show? It's disappointing because no matter what, how you want to try and position it, it, it or categorize it, the offensive line has been in shambles all year. Uh, it's been in a different way than it normally is. Musical chairs yet again. And then because of it, one of the things that I've always said is my pet peeve is the musical chairs of taking a guy out of his natural position, moving him to other positions, and then creating less continuity across the line. You've had to do that in multiple different positions because of injuries, uh, starting with Kenyon Green and just roller coastering out of control from there. It's disappointing because they didn't play well last week. He didn't play well last week. And that as an offensive line that has really kind of treaded water and stayed afloat after two really bad weeks to start the season, it doesn't tell me that everything's going to be on the up and up for the rest of the season with this team chasing a playoff spot. And that's disappointing. Can they still get there? Absolutely. Mm. It, can they do the things necessary to move the football, pass the football, and, and do what they need to do offensively? Yes, I believe so. But it's going to be more difficult, and that's disappointing. Yeah, um, I'm, I don't think this makes the Texans worse. Uh, I, in fact... I think this makes the Texans better. Uh, and we had a small sample size of this past game with Titus Howard playing left guard and then Juice Scruggs playing left guard. You know, Juice had some rookie moments, certainly. He wasn't nearly as bad as Titus Howard was in this past game. And we'll play some sound here in a second that maybe gives some explanation as to why Titus Howard wasn't playing all that well. But I think that this is actually an improvement. Now, if, and this is a very big if, obviously this is a big if because football is a very violent sport and then the offensive line is cursed, whether it's the Brit curse, whether it's the Khalil curse, I don't know what the curse comes from, but the offensive line is cursed uh, for the Houston Texans. If they stay healthy with the starting five they have the rest of the way, Laramie at left tackle, I think Juice is going to play left guard, not center. Uh, Dieter is going to be your center, your right guard Shaq, and then your right tackle is Fant. If that starting five stays healthy, it's better than the starting five that started this past game against Jacksonville because I think Juice is an upgrade over Titus Howard at left guard. So if they stay healthy, I don't think this hurts the Houston Texans at all. Now, where it could be very costly is if there's an injury. If one of your tackles goes down, now all of a sudden you don't have the option of a Titus Howard slash Juice Scruggs to fill in for that injured player, that's a, that's a huge blow. Uh, so it hurts the depth tremendously. To me, they don't miss a beat from the starting offensive line point of view. See, I understand your your point because of how poorly he played at left guard last week. But I think that overall, ideally, you would have had him at a certain point as you continue to get healthier, move back to his natural position of right tackle. And if he moved to right tackle, as as serviceable as Fant has been, and he's been a, he's been better than serviceable, he's held his own for the most part. He surprised me to some to some degree. I think that, that the best offensive line you could get for this team is if he's in his natural position. And, and I think we discussed, 
that there was probably no 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 scenario between now and the end of the season where he was going to get there easily back to right tackle because there were just too many injuries and they were really they were depleted in terms of the depth. But he was a bigger experienced body at left guard than some of your other options. And Juice Scruggs being out as long as he has uh, on an injury that didn't seem to to be worthy of lasting that long and being a rookie. It, it, it quite honestly it worries me. Yeah, I see. I don't. I don't think that the option of him moving to right tackle existed. Um, I, I think that they really like what no, what uh, I say. I always call him Noah Fant because I live in a fantasy football world. I, I think that they like what George Fant has done so much that the option of Titus Howard moving to right tackle like did not exist. I thought the Juice Scruggs, if he was going to push somebody out of the starting lineup eventually, it would have probably been Michael Dieter. Although playing him at center this advanced in his rookie season, whenever he's been out for a long time, would have been would have been tough. I think that the starting five is actually better because Juice is a better left guard right now than Titus Howard is. Um, and I don't think they miss a beat. But if there's another injury, and we've said this all year, if there's another injury to the offensive line, they're going to be toast. And they've been able to sustain it every single time. Now... All right, Titus is done for the year. Lots of angles to take a look at. Like, what does the offensive line look like the rest of the season? What does this mean for the future of Titus Howard in a Houston Texans uniform as well? But also, I found this very, very interesting. D'Amico usually doesn't give much. Hey, a guy's hurt. Yeah, he's hurt. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Denver is really good. D'Amico is very smart with his words and does not give very much. Obviously, he got a lot of questions about Titus Howard today. Right out of the bat, he was asked about Titus Howard. This caught my attention with what D'Amico had to say. Titus has done a good job of battling through. Uh, appreciate Titus's toughness and trying to push through and play, you know, through some through some difficult injuries there. Uh, yeah, Titus is a fighter. Uh, appreciate him, and he he did a good job for us. That's really but, good uh, enough. There, he goes on he and on. We need somebody else to replace. Like we need guys to step up. That to me is the the meat of what D'Amico had to say. Did you know he was playing through difficult injuries? Did you know he was a battler through these things? You remember, you know exactly. Kenyon Green. Yep. Kenyon Green all Spot over Spot on. The, it almost, almost like verbatim, mm-hmm. it was the exact same quote from a press conference. Yes. It's, it's, it's eerily similar. What are we doing? They both, like, Kenyon Green went from playing in a preseason game and getting embarrassed, didn't look good, at the same position, at left guard, and then all of a sudden he's out for the entire year. Same thing with Titus Howard here. He got embarrassed on the first few series badly, and then all of a sudden he's out for a year, for the rest of the year, and he was dealing with these injuries already. Was he on the – I wonder if he was on the injury report last week. I don't think he was. They might get, they might get popped for that. I don't think he was. I didn't but even think let's about also, that. Let's take it a step further. Let's remember both scenarios. In the preseason, when Kenyon Green was getting absolutely embarrassed, what happened? He started doing the stretchy chicken wing. He started looking, and we were like, is he faking an injury? What's yeah. going on here? Well, there were plenty of people on social media on Sunday questioning whether it Howard entered, was legitimately hurt. It entered my mind. Now, the fact that he has, like, a meniscus tear, like, obviously there, there's, there's an issue there. Like, obviously he's actually, like, legitimately hurt. And I think they were playing through injuries both times. So, like, the Texans from a big-picture view – and I, look, I don't think the Texans are forcing these guys to play. Like, Kenyon Green's a gamer, wants to play. Titus Howard's a gamer, wants to play. I don't think that this is some, like, 2020, 60 minutes organizational malpractice that the Houston Texans are shooting up their players and making them play through injury. I'm not going to those extremes. It is just very weird that you've had a couple of offensive linemen who we find out later, not in real time, we find out later that they're dealing through these difficult injuries and then right after they're embarrassed in the previous game, they're out for the entire season. Very bizarre to me. 
Very weird. It is, it is my definitely attention. worthy of scratching your temple and trying to figure out what's going on over there because, I mean, it's a track record now. It's happened more than once, and it makes you wonder because the last time after D'Amico said what he said, then Nick came in with his press conference, which made it worse and poured a massive amount of gasoline on the fire by saying we knew it was a matter of time. Yeah. It was going to happen. Not an if, but a when. And you're going... Well, then why didn't you go get backups? Why didn't you go and prepare for this? Why didn't you do more? What were you doing, and why is it to this level? And we never got answers. Let's see. These were This is the injury report last week for the Houston. This was a week ago today. And look, D'Amico just said he's been playing through difficult injuries. He, he said that. That's, mm-hmm. not, that's not a paraphrase. He said he's played through difficult injuries. We know how strict the NFL is with their injury report. Last week, Wednesday... He's not on the injury report. Titus Howard is not on was. the injury report at all last Wednesday. I'll see if I can find the, the final injury report as well. So, like, here's Friday's injury report. Titus Howard not on the injury report. Yet D'Amico Ryans today says he's playing through difficult injuries. They were hiding Titus Howard's injuries. And honestly, it sucks for Titus Howard because you have, you know, jabronis like me. You're like, look at this guy get embarrassed. This guy's awful at left guard. He's trash. He's brutal. Uh, Juice Scruggs, a rookie who's never played a game in his NFL career, he should be playing ahead of Titus Howard. And then his head coach said, well, he's been playing through injuries. He's not even on the stinking injury report. Like, it's, it's wild to me. And they did the same thing with Kenyon Green. Now, Kenyon Green was in the preseason injury reports. I don't even think you have to submit an injury report in the preseason. But this is very bizarre with the handling of the Houston Texans and some injured offensive linemen that they say is not injured, but then they're injured after they get embarrassed and then they're out for the year. Weird stuff, man. I mean, man. short of saying both guys experienced discomfort. It's weird stuff, man. We've had some experience in this marketplace with a lack of transparency on injury. All right, let's take a um, let's take what, what should the offensive line look like the rest of the season? I mean, I think it's pretty easy, right? But what do you think? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Also, the big picture view. What's the plan with Titus Howard going forward? And is Titus Howard even long? For the Houston Texans with, you know, his contract situation, I, I have a hard time, like, putting a whole lot of stock in this season because apparently he's been hurt and he's playing left guard, he's playing out of position. But also, how about the GM and the offensive lineman that he's brought in? How is Nick Casario at evaluating offensive linemen uh, so far in his Houston Texans GM career? 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. I hope to be in focus today. He's a Pac-Man Joel at Joe George Radio. It's great that you could make it into the uh, halfway into the segment. Really Love appreciate that. Uh, Chad Brown, who covers the Broncos up in uh, Denver, does some TV in the Mile High City. He's going to join us at 4. Joe makes faces at 4.30. Do we leave early today? Yes. There you go. Gig him, right? Gig him. Yeah, so, I didn't know, but then he said it was 15 minutes. And I went, that's it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. Uh, I'd rather stay the entire. Yeah, I didn't need to know. For that. If it's if it's less than thirty minutes, you might as well just do the whole thing, right? Gig them fighting Texas Aggie basketball. Who do they got tonight? Probably a cupcake. Probably a cupcake tonight after he playing in that know. tournament. He's busy. Yeah. Is Todd Callis going to be on the call? Todd Callis was doing that. the games in that was uh, wild. Yeah, it was. I uh, turned on my radio. I was so confused. Yeah, <laughs> a friend of the Killer Bees. All right, Virginia. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, they're kind of cupcakey this year. They haven't they, been very good. I was going to ask you. They had been yeah. good with Bennett, but they haven't been good this year. This year, they, they, I don't think they've gotten off to a good start, but that's kind of Virginia's MO. All right, 
Titus Howard, what's the plan for the rest of this season with the offensive line? His plan going forward, Titus Howard long for the Texans. Nick Casario, what do you think about him as an offensive line evaluator? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. If you ever get into an accident, you already know what to do. You have to call Hollingsworth Law Firm. They are the name that you need to to know if you ever get into a car accident. And my favorite thing, because I'm very, very frugal, uh, you don't have to pay a single dime until you win your case it's the name you know jeremy and then it's the number you need to remember and put into your phone because you never know when you're going to get in a car wreck but when you do the first thing you start thinking about is who do i call what's my first step what do i got to make sure that i take care of and you need someone in your corner and that's why it's important to have the hollingsworth law firm because they don't pay unless you win and that's a big factor because that means they have extra motivation they want to make sure they have everything so you have everything they need to make they'll make sure the police report is filed they'll make sure you have have all the information and get everything that you need and they need to win. They'll fight the insurance company, they'll fight the other driver, and they'll fight for what's rightfully yours. Yeah, I wish I had somebody on my side whenever I was fighting those pesky insurance companies. I think they screwed me a couple times I got into that fender bender. That wouldn't have happened had I known about Hollingsworth Law Firm. So, this is your warning. 713-999-8773. Put it in your phone. 713-999-8773. Also, visit them online. CarWreckTexas.com. It's CarWreckTexas.com. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's blank. I'm Branham. Joe's dead to me. How's that coffee tasting <laughs> over there? It's not bad. Uh, owes me a coffee and brings blankers a coffee and not me a coffee. I could really use a coffee today. It's kind of, you know, Weren't you in gray outside. Deep meditation? I was in deep meditation. Yeah. but I have my- inter- Maybe he didn't want to interrupt. I have my phone on me when I'm in deep meditation. Oh. Whenever I'm, what would I say, zinning? Yeah, it was a mistake. I do a little zinning when I meditate. I do a little, you know, voice exercises, little yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather. Really gets me going. Uh, gets my, my vocal cords in a, in a good place. I've Give me a good just, place. Good vocal exercises. You know, athletes, they, you know, basketball yesterday, the NIT championship, the, in, uh, the NBA in-season tournament. NIT, NBA in-season tournament, uh, which would have been our lead story if, if the Rockets would have advanced, but they didn't. They're losers. Uh, broke my heart. We'll certainly talk about that a little bit later. But they have a layup line. They warm up. They stretch. They get massages with the Theraguns or whatever they're called. They yep. take up shots. I, tell you, I have vocal exercises that I perform before I get ready to perform. You know, that's why we perform at our highest. Um, Ocho says you guys could, you know, go put on the uh, the pads and play offensive line for the Texans. No, have no idea who's over there. Uh, appreciate that, Ocho. Um, Josh Beard said he could. Yeah, he says he can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. What position would you play on the offensive line if you had to play a position on the offensive line? Does tight end count? No. Okay. No. I think I'd be a center. That's what I was going to say. I think, I, I think I'd be a center. They're usually a little bit smaller. Um, Chris Myers was very small. Yeah, for a center. Yeah, he was like Maybe. 252. Yeah, very small. <laughs> Can I specifically just be a long snapper? No, you can't be John no, Weeks. John He's Weeks. a legend. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, I'm just a center. I really want John Weeks to be in the ring of honor. I'm trying be. to he start that someday. campaign. He should be. I don't think there's any chance. No? No. Andre Johnson, no. J.J. Watt, John Weeks. Hey, you forgot one. Bob McNair. C.J. Stroud. It was, it's Bob McNair. Oh, I didn't mean play. I, was <laughs> I mean, currently, players. the Ring of oh. Honor is currently three guys. I forget Bob about Bob. McNair, Sorry, Andre Bob. And, and, yeah. I think of players when I think of Ring of Honor. No disrespect. 
It's pretty disrespectful. But I'm I, aware. I think of the guy that brought the I'm team a, here. You I'm aware. Of honor. It's, a, it's a fair point, but it is disrespectful. Fair. It is both things. What do you think of Nick Casario's offensive line finds? Because, you know, Titus Howard, he gave a lot of money to. He gave him top five right tackle money. I don't think he's a top five right tackle. He's certainly not a top five left guard. Uh, what do you think of Casario's evaluation of offensive linemen? I, I, for the most part, I haven't been enamored with it. Uh, you know, I go back to, and you know how much of a hot button it was for me that they didn't do more when they knew that Kenyon Green was going to go down at some point. They didn't prepare for that. I didn't like Dieter. I don't think that Dieter's done a great job, although surprisingly, as fearful as I was of him playing center, he's actually played center fairly well. Um, what's the kid from Notre Dame? Pat, uh, Patterson? Jared Patterson. Patterson. Patterson was a surprise, so I'll give him credit for that because the sixth-round pick that played as well as he did was a good thing, but the problem was he was playing in front of a center that you drafted in the second round and Juice Scruggs that seemingly couldn't get healthy and couldn't get on the field with a hamstring. And 10 weeks in, I'm going, I don't even expect to see him the rest of the season. And then, lo and behold, he shows up. Overall, Fant was a good find. Good, Glad they brought him in. I just, I'm not enamored by anything that he's done personally because Tunsil was already here. Howard was already here. I don't think he's done all that much to to make me feel like he knows how to grade offensive linemen. Yeah, I'm actually going to take a contrarian opinion here, which is going to shock many people. He, he's had the miss in Kenyon Green, although I, I don't want to close the book on on Kenyon Green yet, but as of now, that, that pick does not look good. And if I was trying to project the Houston Texans 2024 offensive line, I don't have Kenyon Green as a starter. Like, Jared Patterson, if he's back healthy, he's probably my starting center. If Juice Scruggs is back healthy, he's probably my starting left guard, which makes Kenyon Green my backup. He's not going to start at one of the tackles. So Kenyon Green was was a swing and a miss. You bring up Dieter, like, Dieter was supposed to be just a warm body who was, a, like, a, a full-season backup. And for a full-season backup, I think he's he's solid. Like, he's a warm body, he's solid. And you're right, he has been much better at center than I ever thought he would be. I think he's been okay at evalu- evaluating the offensive lineman, though. Uh, w- you know, the contracts for L- Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil is one of the top three left tackles in football, so paying him as much as you paid him it- it seems fair. Uh, we were critical of the Titus Howard thing, I think, right the moment that he signed it, because you're paying him. It's top. I think it's top three money, actually, uh, in terms of an, an AAV point of view. You go look at the top salaries for a right tackle this year, I believe. I know it's top five. It I believe it's three. Sure. I think it's top three. I know it's top five. I think it's third. It might be fourth. Uh, top three, top four. I don't think he's a top three, top four right tackle. So now in a salary cap league, you're paying a guy more than his production of play, which is an issue to me in a salary cap league. But he's, he's a solid football player, and I get wanting to protect a quarterback. But you look at some of the other, you know, free agent signings that he free either free agent signings or guys in trade, right? George Fant, that might have been like the still of and they signed him like on the first day of training camp. That was a really good signing. Like he was supposed to be your swing tackle, wasn't supposed to start this many games, but had to add a necessity. He's been pretty good for you. You traded for Shaq Mason. You traded a six rounder for Shaq Mason and a seventh rounder. That was a pretty good trade. Shaq Mason's been like the only stable piece of this offensive line all year. You look at this year's draft. You mentioned Jared Patterson. Jared Patterson was a stinking six-round pick mm-hmm. who looked like a really good center in his rookie year. And the center position is the hardest to play as a rookie because you have so many calls and so many things to worry about. And it's difficult to do for a center, and it's difficult to do for a rookie center. Juice Scruggs probably hasn't played enough games to give a real evaluation for, but Juice Scruggs looks like a starting level either guard or center in the NFL. So outside of Kenyon Green and maybe giving a little bit too much money for Titus Howard, maybe I'm picking nits there, his offensive line assessment hasn't been bad. I'm going for – I was thinking more about, like, 
from draft perspective and and just okay. Look at the draft though. Like he's but, drafted three offensive you see, linemen. You see, Drew Scruggs in a the top six than me. rounds. I need to see more from Drew Scruggs before I'm willing to say that he's going to be a starting caliber I think offensive lineman. I think that's fair. Um, but I will say that th- what, what I forgot was, until they got hurt, he did, after the fact, when I thought it was almost too late, but he did try and make two trades to get your offensive line more depth that ended up having, for a short period of time, some guys that it could at least try and hold their own. Was It was another green was it one from Arizona, Kendrick one from Green Pittsburgh. Was the guy yeah. from, Kendrick Green was the guy they got from Pittsburgh. It wasn't very good, but like at least you got him for nothing. Right. And he like started. I think he started he like two start, or three games. Yeah. And then Josh Jones was the guy that they traded. Like I think a sixth or a That's seventh for. He's a Houston yeah. Cougar. Yeah. yeah. Go Cougs. Josh Jones. Uh, yeah. Those were like warm bodies that yeah. weren't supposed to start. They were death pieces, which like, hey, go find death for a sixth or seventh round pick. I'm cool with that. Just don't trade a sixth round pick for Ryan Finley and then cut him before training camp ever happens. I think Casario's been okay with evaluating these offensive linemen. All right. Titus Howard, big picture. I tweeted this earlier today, 713-780-3776. Titus Howard, with, with his contract next year, like he has to be on the roster because you would, have, you, would, you would lose money cutting him. With the dead money, Like you would lose cap savings by cutting him, trading him. So I, I think that he's back next year no matter what. Now, if it's me, he's my right tackle, and I'm finding out who Titus Howard is. I'm done with this guard experimenting thing, and I know they had to do it out of necessity. I understand why they did it. I was even on board with it early until I saw how bad he was at it. Um, He has to be the right tackle next year. Now, next year, if you look at his contract, I'm not the best with these NFL contracts. They're confusing to me, so if I'm wrong, let me know, 713-780-3776. But with the way that I understand it, and by looking it over the cap, they could get out of the Titus Howard contract after 2024 and save $14 million, which that's, I mean, you turn a four-year deal into a two-year deal, you get out of it. Does Titus Howard wear a Houston Texans uniform in 2025? I think it's a TBD. I think that the the good thing is you have options. I'm, I'm looking at it saying when they made the deal, we both thought it was too much. When you look at it now, you look at a guy that can't stay healthy, but the fact that you can get out of it, makes it where it's almost like a prove-it type contract next season to where if he doesn't play well at one or both positions, and I've been adamant about the fact that I didn't want him to move from right tackle all along because I, I, I didn't like him being the musical chair that kept changing positions in the past, but you're right. Out of necessity, they had to do it, and I understood that. But I'd like to see if you're going to pay him the money you're paying him to be in a position that he hasn't really played, how good he can be at the position he's supposed to play. And then from that point on, I can move forward and going, if he doesn't play that well, then I can get out of it. If he wants to go somewhere else where he thinks he can make that kind of money or if he's interested in signing for and entertaining a contract at a different rate to play a different position and maybe you want to try and if Green doesn't work out, you want to try him on the left side. I don't think he's capable of playing guard. I don't think he's a starting caliber guard in the NFL. Then I think you go this next year is a prove-it deal no matter what the contract says because you can get out of it. And he better play his ass off. I'm next year's make or break. If he plays well, I think he probably finishes up the contract. If he doesn't play well, you're cutting him after 2024. Like that's the fact of the matter. You're not going to pay a guy who either can't stay on the field or who is mediocre uh, as much money. Like you're going to save the 14 million dollars there. Uh, I agree that it's make or break next season. Like next year will be if he plays well, he stays a Houston Texan. If he doesn't, he will not be a Houston Texan in 2025. Uh, t- totally make or break. If you held a gun to my head and I had to pick right now which I believe of the two it'll be. I think next year's is last year's a Houston Texan. I, that's where I'm at. You know, here's, here's the way to look at it too, Jeremy. Most general managers, when they make a deal like that, whether you have buyer's remorse after you sign the deal or not, there's a point in time, especially when there's a lot of scrutiny, 
that you start second-guessing yourself or you start wishing there was a way you could get out. And in most cases, you can't. But if you can get out after next season, no matter what you sign him for and where he sits amongst the rest of the league, and there's an option for you to get out and you not you are not like 90% sure this is your guy to play that position, GMs would love the ability to pull the cord. Yeah, I mean, you can't pay a guy top five right tackle money if he's either A, not on the field, or B, not playing up to the contract. Uh, yeah, next year, make or break for Titus Howard. But it needs to be a right tackle. Stop messing with him. Like you got to find your yep. answer once and for all. 713-780-ESPN. Sadly, the Houston Rockets lost last night. The biggest game they've played since the 1995 season when they won it all. They're in the NIT, NBA, in-season tournament, the NIT, they fell short. How much more bummed were you last night with the Rockets' loss because it eliminated them from the NIT? 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and murderous Jays. He's blank. I should probably say our first names after the introduces the murderous Jays. He's Joel. I'm Jeremy. Uh, Joe's kind of here today. He's got like one foot in, one foot out. Doing the he didn't have pokey. any feet in at the beginning of the show. Joe, how's your coffee? It's good. It how's doesn't yours? matter how your coffee is. <laughs> he said, how's yours? He's I, uh, stirring it I, up. I went and got some coffee. Oh, did you? I went and got some coffee in this measly meat white styrofoam cup. It is ice cold. It's colder than the frozen tundra of Lambeau it? Field. Now, I couldn't drink it. I took a little bit of sip, so I hope you enjoyed You scarfed down your coffee faster I did. than I've ever seen anybody scarf down a coffee. Jeremy, would you like me to go downstairs and get you a coffee? No, you've yeah, already you... missed enough of today's show. <laughs> Joe will be back before the end of Wait until no. like the second half of the show when I don't do anything. You've already missed enough of today's show. This Joe is... can go get your coffee and be back for the AM game. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. I was sad yesterday as the Rockets got eliminated from the NIT, the NBA in-season tournament, the NIT. That was a fun game last night. How much more bummed were you with the Rockets' loss last night than if this was just a normal regular season loss? Like, I haven't been bummed about a Houston Rockets loss in quite some time because actually I've been rooting for them to lose games in this whole mm-hmm. post James Harden era because I've been wanting to get you know top draft picks. I've wanted more lottery balls. This was the first time like I've wanted the Rockets to win this year. This year has changed the way I view the Rockets. I want them to win games. I haven't wanted them to win games since they traded James Harden. But in terms of like last night versus other regular season games this year, it was turned up to me probably. I would go up. I would say like forty percent. I was more yeah. bummed with the Rockets' loss last night by 40, maybe 50% than I would have been if this was not an NIT game. It was do or die last night Look, in the NIT. I, I echo what you said about the fact that I've never really lost any sleep over a Rockets' regular season loss over the last several seasons. But I was pulling for him last night, and I really believe that this was a stepping stone game in terms of being able to put a skin on the wall, being able to have something for the coaching staff to use as motivation to point to, to say, we're already making progress. So I really wanted to see it happen. I was I was disappointed when it didn't. On a 1 through 10 scale, I'm right there with you. 4, 5, okay, yeah. But I was more engaged, and, and, and I really was more invested in the entire game last night. So I felt bad when they lost, but I thought they, they, they put forth a good effort. 
But offensively, to me, I thought they took a half step back. I think that was one of the worst. And maybe it's the difference between home and road. I don't know. But I don't think they played as well as they've played when they've been playing good basketball last night on the road. I thought that they went back to a lot of isos. I thought they took a lot of bad shots when the numbers weren't in their favor. Um, so, And Jalen Green has been extremely disappointing to me for most of the season. Yes, he's had some bright spots, and yes, he gets he figures some stuff out, but it's also been the benchings and the other things, and they could have used him last night. So it was a bit disappointing to me the way they played offensively. Disappointing to me as well that Jalen Green wasn't a bigger factor in the game. How much should uh, we'll hold off on the Jalen Green? How much up? How much percentage did it increase your disappointment that it was an NIT? Well, I said forty fifty percent. I think that high, yeah, huh? Yeah, man, you've really come around. I, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you, and I know because I know you've been the big advocate for uh, the was, tournament. I was into it. I I'm really not was. big into the whole league wide the way they've been going crazy on trying to promote the tournament, but I liked the fact that there was a little bit more meaning last night and. As much as you know, they have to do what they have to do too. So they're putting the the tournament games scores like a like a first round of the NCAA tournament up on top of the screen. But the fact that you had probably the most competitive game that meant something last night, and it was the Rockets and the Mavs, and seemed like all hands hands were on deck. So it was, and, and it was a back and forth close game. It was fun to watch. That was uh, the Rockets. I thought. I didn't think they played all that well in the first half, but they like they fought and they were within four. I think they were down by as many as fourteen they at were. one point, and they were up by as many as eleven. I thought at it was one nine, point. but yeah, I thought they got there. it to double digits, but I could. It was right around there, somewhere between nine and eleven points. They had a really strong third quarter. Uh, Kyrie and Luca. Kyrie was not having a good game. Kyrie was incredibly silent until midway in the third, and he went nuts. He went bonkers. You know the one that's going to drive me nuts. Someone though. texted the flop. How do you, the flop what do you think was of the flop? ridiculous, and the fact that they challenged it. And, and, and it was almost, from a referee standpoint, to say he made contact. And you could read Dylan Brooks's lips, too, because he said the defender made contact with the left arm, and it was the right arm. Or it was the left arm, and he said the, the defender made contact with the right arm. And Dylan Brooks goes, he didn't even get the arm right. Yeah, he got the wrong arm. Yeah, but the fact is that did not uh, halt his forward progress. It did not do anything to alter. And it wasn't until a half second to a second after that touch of the arm that Kyrie looked like he got shot by a sniper in the upper deck and went writhing down to the floor going, what? And if you see that in a a review, and you're not going to tell me that you can't reverse that? It's it's an NBA rule where the flops aren't. Uh, reviewable, right. which is a problem. Right, like that. That's my biggest issue with that play. Is that if you're going to have certain plays, and most of them are reviewable, uh, why can't you review the flop? Like, why is that so special and so different that that cannot be either reviewed or challenged for? I thought that, that I think that's a ridiculous rule, and that's like that's not even Scott Foster. Like that's above right. Scott Foster. That's NBA league rule. Now he fell for it. Scott Foster fell for it. He fell for the old trick of Kyrie Irving. He probably had a reputation call on Kyrie Irving plus the reputation to Dylan Brooks uh, that made him blow the whistle. Uh, Dylan Brooks touched him. Letter of the law is that a foul? Letter of the law is a foul, but you see 99 other plays. Yeah, you're not supposed to touch a guy. You're not supposed to touch a guy. I know you're not not allowed to hand check. You're supposed to use the forearm. But at the same time, it has to be legit contact. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's how it's enforced. That's not the the way the rule is written. Right. You're not supposed to touch him at all. And again, so if you get used to playing a certain way because that's the way it's called, and then suddenly, especially at a point in the game, that you're going to make a call like that. I thought it was ticky-tack at the highest form. I thought it was unnecessary. I thought they had the chance to at least reverse it and get it right, and they didn't do that. And you're right. You can't review the flop. The flop was egregious. It was awful, and it shouldn't have been there. But to the Dylan Brooks point, which really continues to annoy me, and it's the same thing. You're right, because Kyrie got going. But he's got to stop poking the bear. I mean, 
we knew Luca was good for 25, 30 points a game because that's yeah. who Luca is. But Luca kind of was sleepwalking early. He wasn't on fire. Hardaway was getting a lot of points. And all of a sudden, Dylan Brooks starts doing this stuff where he's trying to basically call out Luca and does the theatrics. And suddenly, Luca decides, okay, I'm going to dial it in and come right at your ass. And then he goes crazy, and he's got to stop doing that. Yeah, I don't really care about that. One, it's boring. Like, I, I like the drama of poking the bear. I think it's fun. Secondly, I think it's kind of like a defeatist mentality of like, oh, I'm so scared of this guy. I'm, I'm not, not going to try to rub him the wrong way. Like, be the alpha. Poke the bear and then stop him. Like, be a good defensive but player. But he's not stopping him. Yeah, but I mean, Luke is going to get his. My biggest issue with Dylan Brooks yesterday was that stupid foul on the three with the shot clock winding Oh, that down. was dumb, too. That was, and credit to Ime Adoka after the game. He said that wasn't an intelligent yeah. basketball play. Cool. <laughs> Ime Adoka said that your $40 million player made a stupid basketball play. Did they because it that was a stupid basketball play. I don't know. They didn't challenge it. Oh, they didn't? No, I mean, it was clear. Yeah, like he was he was clear. He fouled him. Yeah, it was an awful foul. I thought that they were trying to keep him in the game, and they were going to try and review that one too. No, they didn't I, challenge that one. But yeah, he I, overall, I like what he's done so far for this team. I still think he's grossly overpaid, but I like what he's done so far for this team in terms of the toughness, the effort. But those you know those are the kind of things that I could do without. I think that he still makes a lot of silly falls early in the game. One of the first couple possessions, he immediately because he's going to be a guy that's going to be on one of the other team's better uh, offensive players. Early in the game, he gets a ticky-tack, hip-check, bump foul. And you're going, you don't need those. You're going to need those later in the game. Those are the frustrating things with me for a veteran player that's supposed to be better. He needs to be better about when he's fouling. Like, I get the physical fouls, like when the guy's driving. Like, if he's driving the lane, you feel like you need to prevent an easy layup. Like, a good hard foul every now and then, not going to hurt anybody. Uh, But fouling a guy at midcourt, that's stupid. Uh, Fouling a a guy with uh, going up for a three-pointer with one second left on the shot clock is is stupid, too. Like, those were not good basketball plays from Dylan Brooks. And he made, to his credit, he, he said that Dylan Brooks, that play in the three where he fouled him, gave him three free throws, was an unintelligent basketball play. And he said that the Rockets as a, as a whole need to be better about ticky-tacky fouls like near half court against lesser players because it puts them in the bonus. They get to the free throw line, other team wins basketball games. And it just so bummed. I'm so bummed that the Rockets didn't make the quarterfinals in the bracket stage of the NBA in-season tournament, the NIT. How, how bummed were you versus just a regular, regular season game in November? How much interest did you have that that was a do-or-die for the Rockets yesterday? 713-780-3776. And let's get into the uh, the Blankers conversation he brought up. Why do we get so frustrated with Jalen Green? What is it about Jalen Green that makes you so frustrated? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Patrick Creighton just showed up on our Twitch. So, I mean, go hang out with Patrick Creighton on the Twitch, which is TV slash ESPN975. Uh, he said he used to be Lamont's favorite show on ESPN, but now he must cede that title to Blankers and Branham. They are the new champs now. Acknowledge your tribal chiefs. Uh, Joe, acknowledge us. We, we sit at the head of the table. I mean, I, I definitely read Lamont's, you know, what blog. Yeah. And I realized I didn't get a mention. You didn't. So That's the first thing I, I noticed. Be here I guess I, I do acknowledge you guys because yeah. I'm not part of it. He was gassing us up, and I'm just like, oh, poor Joe. But now I'm like, no I'm love. glad he didn't leave him. I'm glad he didn't mention him. Like, it's like three, who, three o'clock. I was like, oh, man, he should mention Joe. Post I don't know, three like, o'clock. I was like, I'm glad he didn't. Maybe it's you guys. Like, Figgy got a mention. Did he? 
Yeah. I didn't read anybody else. I don't like think he got us. some love. Well, I guess they they just say his name's part of the show now. So I'm just not cool. Enough. Oh, do they? Yeah, because I'm not. I'm not a B. You're not the. Uh, you're not. You're J though. Spence calls you part of the murderous Jays. Yeah, but that's not the name of the show. Well, the names are <laughs> up for speculation and on this station anyway. And you can change the name whenever you feel like it. That's yeah, a good point. You can. What frustrates you about Jalen Green's game? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. A few people on the. Uh, how much more bummed were you with the Rockets lost last night since it eliminated them for the NIT NBA? In-season tournament, NIT. Kevin said it definitely sunk more than usual. They should have won, too. There was a winnable game. I'm not, I wouldn't go as far to say they should have won. It was a winnable game. I didn't think they played all that well in the final. I didn't think they played well in the fourth quarter, entirely the fourth quarter. Uh, but they play a little bit better in the final five minutes. They, they sneak away with a win. Yeah, I don't think they played, at, in totality, a, a great offensive game. I don't like the way they played. But I think that the fact that they hung around, the fact that they were in it late and they had opportunities – just shows you the night and day difference between the last couple of years, not just specifically last year, but last year to this year, they are night and day. And yeah. and it is it is a team that is competitive, and they have an offensive plan, and Shen Goon is becoming a star right before He's everybody's eyes. He's so good. He really is. CJ says, extra bum. It would have been fun to be part of the quarterfinals. Uh, Mirza says, I'm more bummed that we extended our road losing streak. A young team is having issues closing out games on the road. 0-6 now, uh, away from the Toyota Center. It is a, it is a bit of an issue. Uh, they can't win away from home. It It is one of those things. It's a sign of a young team. Young teams struggle on the road if you just go look at it you know, over history, especially a young team coming together. A lot of things have come together very quickly for this team this season. One of the things that might take a little longer is trying to figure it out on the road. Tonight's going to be a really big test because, you know, back-to-back, tough game last night, going into Denver tonight. Denver, as much as other people have been saying, oh, the Rockets have owned the Nuggets and everything like that, slow your roll. They're the world champs. They've been dinged up. You know, no, they're getting Rockets are going to get killed. They're going to get blasted. Did you see that they already ruled out two players and maybe a third? Denver or the Rockets? Rockets. Denver still has three questionables, including, I think they're including all the Joker. Yeah. Okay, so that's not good. The Rockets have already ruled out Fred Van Vliet with a thumb injury. Oh, that's bad. So who? Like, I'm curious who's playing backup point guard minutes. Like, is Aaron Holiday playing 48 minutes tonight? Is Holiday starting? Who else yeah, is he? Right. Like, I mean, a men's hurt. Still, I don't think they would bring him back and all of a sudden just play him right away either. I think he's going to go to the G League for a little bit. Who's playing backup point guard for the Rockets? That's a great question. I think Aaron Holiday's playing forty eight minutes. Yeah, I don't know go who's handling the Aaron Rock Holiday. when he's not in the game. Yeah, I know. Okay, <laughs> Holiday might play forty eight minutes tonight, uh, which is going to be entertaining. Maybe. Um, also, they're going to be without Jay Sean Tate, which kind of whatever, and then Tari Eason's questionable, but kind of Tari interesting. Played well there. last night. Uh, Tari played yeah. as well as he's played all yes, year. I uh, like the way he played. He last played. Night. He played really, really well. Zero six one three. Not bummed at all. Rockets are actually fun to watch this year. Yes, it sucked they got eliminated, but man, are they fun to watch? Having a team that actually cares to close out on defense and watching ball movement and offense can't go wrong. Agree with that. Now, one of the critical you know ways to look at the the Rockets or some of the individual players, and yeah, you know they they were winless on the road. Is the first thing I would be critical about. But Jalen Green. Jalen Green had a rough turnover in that game yesterday. Had another poor shooting night. Now, you know, 5 of 14, so at least he didn't hack up 25 shots whenever he's having a poor shooting night. He had a, he had a big block in the fourth quarter. He had a couple of assists, had a few rebounds. So I like that he's adding other elements to his game. That way, when he has a rough night, he can still impact winning in other ways, which is great. Uh, but, you know, we're always going to watch Jalen Green with a, a very critical eye. And I think most people have frustrations with Jalen Green. I think it's a pretty popular opinion right now. What frustrates you about Jalen Green? Well, the few things that stood out to me last night were, 
when he was having that rough shooting night, a couple of them were around the basket, and he got that James Harden tendency back again where he was looking for the foul, and he was looking for the foul so much that he decided he didn't have to get back on defense. And a team like Dallas that's offensively potent as they are with the guys that they have with the ball, now you've got an advantage because now they're going five on four, and they're going to get to theirs a lot easier, and that frustrated me. It also seems like Jalen's one of those guys, and this isn't like the, the only guy in the league that's like this, but a lot of times there are guys that feel like they're only a part of the team if they get their touches. And he didn't get a lot of touches early. So then when he did get a touch, it felt like he had to force the action because he needed to see if he could get a shot up and get his. And that kind of reverts back to what I said about the offense. I felt like we were getting back into a Steven Silas ISO offense mm. because he's not buying in as much to the, the offensive philosophies of Adoka on a nightly basis. There are nights when he gets it, he understands he's a part of the offense and he's going to get his if he just does what he's supposed to do. Last night, because he didn't get the touches early, I felt like he started to press and he felt like he had to force the action. And I think that's where he said his worst. At least he did. I agree with all of that almost, except that he didn't at least shoot 20 times. Like, oh, I agree he, with he, that. He, yeah. like, he, he realized, you know, I'm not on my A game tonight. Let me pass the rock a little bit more. It's probably Ime, uh, quite honestly. I, I didn't think we were going to see Jalen Green in the fourth quarter at all, again, because he didn't play all that well. I don't mind Jalen Green ISO plays uh, offensively, especially early. to see Because Jalen Green, when he's going, isolation's a good offensive set when he's going. If he's not going, then you just stop running isolation plays. So I'm cool with some Jalen Green ISO plays early in the game to see if it's one of those games where he's hot and can score 30 points. Because if he's getting his, you know, in the ISO game and half court sets, I'm fine with that. But if he's not shooting it well, if he's not, when it, like last night, he was getting to the rack but wasn't finishing. Those are the nights where it's okay. You got to stop this. We can't run isolation plays anymore. We can't run isolation plays in the entire second half. Uh, so I'm okay with it early. If it's not working, stop going to it. I think that they do. My frustrations, like, because, I mean, your frustrations are obviously valid. A couple of the maybe outside the box observations I have with Jalen Green, and I'm, I'm I think I'm probably more pro Jalen Green than you are. I think that his potential is still very high. I think he still has a lot of room uh, between where he's at right now and his ceiling. I still think he has very very high potential uh, to be a really good scorer in this league. Like he has the skill. It's about consistency. It's about doing it every single night as opposed to you know once every two or three games. I don't like his body language sometimes. Like even like. Whenever he doesn't get the ball, it's like he kind of throws his hands up in the air. Yesterday, very, very nitpicky, he tried to throw a skip pass to, from the right side of the floor to the left side of the floor, and Shingun was like, happened to be in the way and like kind of intercepted it. And J- Jalen Green's like, throws his arms into the air. It's like, who cares? Like, move on, keep playing. So that's something that annoys me. And then, secondly, and I think this has something to do with his consistency, I don't love his mindset. I don't love his mentality. Like, to me, he's not a killer on the floor. He's not, a, and I think that that's why he's so inconsistent at times. If he had, like, I don't want to say the Kobe mentality, because the Kobe mentality might be the best mentality of all time, but if he had that, that confidence where every single night I'm scoring 25 points, I'm a son of a gun, there's nobody stopping me, I think he would be that player. But to me, he's kind of passive at times. He has issues with the confidence. The night that he uh, he got benched, remember, in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, and then he had a good game the next two games. After one of those two games, Alpi Shingun, like interrupted his post game with Vanessa, like, hey, great job. Fred Van Vliet, hey, great job. You're not doing that with players that you're worried about their confidence. To me, that was a huge tell of like, hey, we got to keep Jalen Green. We got to gas Mentally him fragile. up. And if you're having to gas somebody up, I don't know if you have the mentality to be a guy who can average 30 points a game. Yeah, he, he has mental, he has the ability to show that he's very uh, mentally fragile in a lot of cases. The difference, there's not a big difference in what we're talking about on the ISO thing. 
But this this is exactly what I'm talking about. If you had that that lock, stock, and barrel, I'm better than you mentality, then not only then the ISO play works because you go to the rack and whether you take them all the way there and either you finish or get fouled, or you take them on the way and then you make a quick move to either pull up for the short floater or the the elbow jumper or the mid range. The fact that when he get mentally, he starts checking out when he hasn't gotten the touches early in the game. When he gets the touches to the ISO that we're talking about, he doesn't take the ISO to the basket. He takes a jab step and then fades from about 30 or tries to take the quick three. And that's not good enough for a guy that's as good with athleticism and basketball skill as he is. He needs to capitalize on the fact there's very few guys in this league that he can't beat with a first step and get what he wants. He's not getting what he wants. He's taking what they're giving him, and I don't think that's good enough. Look, part of it, like why it hasn't all come around yet, could very well be because he's still very young. Like that, sure. that, that is true. But for him to take that next step, I think a lot of it is upstairs because he has the skill. Like you mentioned, like off the dribble first step, he can beat anybody in the league. He has no problem getting to the rack. No. He can get to the rack. Some games he can finish. Some games he can't. I don't think he's like a great shooter, but he's a good enough shooter to, to score, to like be a high-volume scorer. I don't love his mental game. Like it, it, no. it, it bothers me. And I think the other thing, too, that plays into this is he's still learning to trust Udoka. He might be the last guy on that roster that isn't completely bought into what Udoka's trying to lay down for them offensively and I, defensively. I disagree a little bit there because he's busting his tail defensively. I'm talking more on the offensive end, yeah. though. I think, again, I see the lapses where he doesn't get back on D because he's frustrated or arguing a call, and maybe that takes a little more time. But the offensive side of the basketball is where I don't think he believes that if he gives it up, he's going to get it back. Because in the Silas system, it was just you know taking turns, slapping the guys. It's my turn now to go one-on-one. It's my turn to go one-on-one. He doesn't believe yeah. that if I just do body movement, ball movement, and I do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to get a better shot, and I'm going to get open. And he's got to buy into that in order to kind of reap the benefit. Yeah, that's a good point. Three text here. He's a pretty boy that can't adjust to the fact that it's not going to be easy like it's always been. I think the most disappointing part is his shot selection. He passes on easy shots for lower percentage shots. It's gotten better, but yes. Uh, Jalen Green is a great role player for Shingoon. Stop looking for him to be the main guy. All right, we're going to step aside. Chad Brown, Broncos analyst for KUSA TV 9 News in Denver. That sounds like an anchorman thing. Chad Brown covers the Broncos, does TV in Denver. Go beyond enemy line. Next, Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.